It is common for um, two people who are in love to speak of their love, the love that exists between them, as something that is somewhat independent of themselves. In other words, you can speak of the love we share, the love we have, right? And it's, it's a bond, you could speak of it in this way, it's a bond that exists between two people, right? And so you might say, oh, the love that I have for my, for my wife, etc." Um, and you can speak of it almost like it's an individual thing separate from the two persons, right? The love that we have. Well, because we're created in the image and likeness of God, there are things that we do, things that we say, just sort of natural ways of being that can also give us a bit of a, an understanding of God himself. Now, at the outset, of course, we, we need to know that understanding God is, is going to be a failed exercise, right? You can't, how could the finite mind ever completely understand the infinite? It's just, it's just not gonna happen. But there's a difference between saying, we can't understand God completely and we can't understand him at all. And so theology is, okay, what has God revealed about himself? about his nature and what have we experienced and how do we put that together to, to you know, speak about who God is to some degree. And luckily we have, of course, quite a bit of data. So how do we understand the Holy Spirit? The simplest way to understand the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the love that exists between the Father and the Son. So from all of eternity, the the Father has existed and the Son has existed. And because they're God and because they're perfect, they also, of course, love one another from, you know, time immemorial, right? That love has always existed just like the Father and Son have always existed. And because that love is perfect, because God can't do anything imperfectly, because that love that exists between them is perfect, it also has existence, it also has being. And so properly, now we can refer to the Holy Spirit in, in different ways, but, but it would be probably the best way to describe the Holy Spirit is the love that exists between the Father and the Son. Jesus goes back to heaven, ascends to heaven, and then the Spirit is sent, the love of God is sent, right, to the apostles, to the disciples, to all the, all the Christians, and then, of course, all of us have received the Holy Spirit as well by virtue of our baptism. So, why? Well, now, so the what and the why, these are gonna be failed attempts, right? Why does God do anything? I mean, much of the time, we have no clue why he does what he does. And the disciples didn't understand it either. When Jesus was saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna ascend to the Father, you know, 40 days after I rose from the dead, the, the disciples themselves were saying, why, what, what are you talking about? Where are you going? We're here, like, isn't this your thing to stay and now to continue to teach us and love us and heal and blah, 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 all that stuff? No, that's, that's not it. I'm going back to heaven because it's the Father's plan that I send, that we send the Holy Spirit so that 
we, the God himself, may dwell within the hearts of all the believers at the same time. Something that the Lord in his physical presence couldn't do, the Holy Spirit is able to do insofar as God can dwell within each of us. So if we're to think of the the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, there's sort of an interior dynamic and an exterior one, okay? So uh, the interior dynamic of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the love of God actually habituating the soul. That's on the test, habituate, meaning it stays there, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit stays, this isn't my soul, you can't see it, but you know, we often, we often uh, conflate heart and soul. But, uh, but the, the Holy Spirit dwells in our souls and exists there and transforms us. So by virtue of baptism and then all the other sacraments as well, the Holy Spirit, divine grace, resides within our very souls and continues to operate, continues to make us more virtuous, more like God, um, gives us power and strength and confidence, right? Basically, it's kind of like miracle grow for the soul. You know, the soul on its own, yeah, you know, just kind of meandering through, throughout life, inject the Holy Spirit into the soul and you have a supercharge of grace and goodness and love. And, the, you know, this leads to hopefully continual renewal and transformation for the, for the individual. Okay, so the individual aspect. But then the communal aspect or the Holy Spirit is given to us for others also, right? And we see that with that scene from Acts in the first reading. Tongues of fire coming down and then spreading out on, you know, over the heads of, of all of those present. And then they all began to speak in these different tongues, which would have been a very curious experience, no doubt. Um, but the idea that is being presented here is that the Holy Spirit is given so that the disciples might go and preach the gospel to all the nations. So there's an interior aspect of the Holy Spirit, the, the transformative power, right? Continuing to make us more and more like Christ. But then that Holy Spirit is given so that as we're being transformed, we are to go out by virtue of the power of the Holy Spirit and continue to preach to the nations. That all of us have a duty, an obligation really, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're in a culture and in a society that is somewhat hostile to this, right? There used to be a time, you know, the whole, the whole concept of uh, separation of church and state, it's actually not a thing. It doesn't exist. Um, it's made up. But, um, but really, the, uh, in the United States, the whole idea of freedom of religion is that we are free from state coercion. So the state is not supposed to tell us what we can and cannot believe. Remember that, that many of the people, well, everybody came from Europe who, who founded the United States. And in Europe, you would often have coercion ba you know, based on whoever your ruler was and whatever religion they happened to adhere to. And so when, when the United States was constructed, they wanted to make sure 
that there was freedom to exercise one's faith without any kind of coercion. It was never the intention that a person could not, in the public square, you know, claim themselves as Christian, share their faith, or, or non-Christian, whatever a person believes. It was always the intention from the beginning that what the Constitution protected was for all of us to be able to engage as we truly are with each other, as Christians, as Catholics, as, as Buddhists, as whatever. I'm getting off track now, but anyway. The point is that unfortunately, because of where we're at culturally, it, it's very hostile, or it can be very hostile to actually share one's faith as though we're doing something wrong, which of course we're not. Now that doesn't mean we ought not have prudence as we share our faith. That doesn't mean that we, we need to be wise about how we do it. And, and also, what is the best, best you know, methodology for doing it? In other words, you, you have a coworker and, and you, know, you start to talk and they find out you go to, you go to church, you know, and yeah, of course I go to church, you know, I go every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you know, all of a sudden now you have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, which is a lot different from, you know, actually just sort of enforcing it or imposing it, that's a better word, imposing that on people without any kind of desire for them to hear it. Anyway, so the Holy Spirit is given to us to go out, and I talked about this last week, to go out and sometimes invite, but also just to proclaim. One of the difficulties we have as people is, and we'll see this as uh, certainly as a priest, but I think also as parents, is when we want to hand on the faith, we also want to see that, it, that it's working. You know, I mean, as you're trying to talk to your family, your children particularly, about God and about Jesus Christ, and then they get older and then they rebel and then they're not going to church and all the rest, that can be really difficult as parents. And one of the difficulties we have is the distinction between sowing seed and reaping harvest. I remember early on in my priesthood, I was getting, um, I was, I don't know, not depressed, but I was a little down about, you know, having, you know, preached. I was at the same parish for a long period of time. And I was talking to, uh, to an older uh, friend of mine and I said, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just disheartening. You know, you're trying to proclaim the gospel and you don't see the effects. And he said one of the most important things that's ever been said to me, and it changed my priesthood in my life. And he said, Father, your job is to scatter seed, not necessarily reap a harvest. The harvest is God's. You're just proclaiming God the gospel and just throwing it wherever you can throw it, wherever it's opportune. And sometimes, just like the parable of, of the seeds, that are scattered that we, we find in the gospel. Sometimes that, that seed lands on fertile soil. Sometimes it lands on rocky ground. That's not your job to, to figure that out. Your job is to scatter the seed. And so too, I think that by extension, I think that's true for all of us, whether it's you know, yourself with your children or your grandchildren or coworkers or school, schoolmates, etc. Our job is just to proclaim the truth to proclaim Jesus Christ, give witness and just say, you know, it's changed me. Going to church has changed me. It's had this profound effect on me. 
It's made a big difference in my life. And that witness alone has an amazing impact. It can have an amazing impact on others. So, three things today. I know that's a lot. I usually don't do three, but three points. Who and what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the love that exists between the Father and the Son. All right, that's your catechesis. Your spirituality is how the Holy Spirit is is to affect you, is to affect your soul, that the Holy Spirit is given to each one of us to inhabit our souls so that we are transformed, right? So that's spirituality. And then mission is that we're given the Holy Spirit and as we're being transformed, we are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the gospel continues to be spread. We don't reap the harvest, we scatter the seed. And we allow the Lord to transform the hearts of those who might receive it. The Holy Spirit is given for so many reasons so that we know the Lord's love and contentment and peace but also so that we have power and strength and confidence to go out so that others might be brought to the truth and brought to Jesus Christ. Please stand.